Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. We're free agency edition. Uh, this is Tuesday. The big day was yesterday, July 1st. And I don't think there were too many surprises for the Blue Jackets. Bob is gone. Brett is gone. Duchesne is gone. The thrill is gone. No, the thrill is fine. The Blue Jackets are going to be okay. Uh, that's been Yarmo Kekwana's message from day one, that the Blue Jackets, even if all of these guys leave, are going to be okay. So let's get into this. Well, there were if there was some drama, but there weren't that many surprises ultimately. Let's go first to Artemi Panarin, who the Blue Jackets tried desperately to keep. A, an eight-year, 96 Million dollar contract put on the table Sunday um, for Brett for Panarin to consider. He had a, he has just hours to accept it, otherwise he couldn't get eight years. And it turns out that you can't, you could not pay Artemi Panarin a hundred million bucks to stay in Columbus, Ohio. He is going to be a New York Ranger. There was a long flirtation with the Florida Panthers, the Islanders, and he ended up with the Rangers. Not really a surprise. And it kind of is a kick in the backside of the Blue Jack that he took a $14 million less just in salary. And that's going to be cut further by taxes, by the cost of living in New York. He really wanted to be 
in New York. Let's let's talk about this, Allison. Any surprises that Panarin is going to be on Broadway and is going to be a Ranger? And your thoughts on the process as it played out? Yeah, I mean, no surprise for me, honestly. And I think that uh, the Jackets making that last pass, um, I think, was a good move by them because it showed that it wasn't about money, um, a piece of the narrative that didn't always come through, maybe on on scales of media outside of Columbus, Ohio. Um, and I, I think it showed, too, that, you know, Panarin really did just want to be in New York. He you know, There's been some stuff coming out from the Rangers today as he gets his new jersey and things like that. And I know Blue Jackets fans may not want to hear this, but, I, you know, he legitimately looks really happy uh, in the videos. And I, I think that to your point, this is a case where there was no amount of money in the world that was going to make him stop from chasing his dream. And that's what he did. And he's earned the right to do that. And, and he's, he's moving on as are the Blue Jackets. Tom, what do you make of the Blue Jackets offer, the $96 million? I think it raised the ante. I think if nothing else, it forced other Metro teams uh, to, to spend more to get Panarin, I think to Allison's point, it showed showed emphatic proof. Everyone just assumed, pay the man. Why won't they pay the man? They put it all on the table. It wasn't a desperate act. What are the optics of that and, and the ramifications of, of the contract offer from Yarmo? Well, first of all, it was stupid for him to go to the Rangers because doesn't he understand he can't score in Henrik Lundqvist anymore? So that's <laughs> taken about 15 or 20 goals off of his plate right there. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Blue Jackets did what they could, and I, and I, I agree with your point. Maybe, maybe against a couple of rival teams at the time, he thought that maybe, uh, maybe the Islanders were going to be involved. He at least forced, forced the hand uh, on the, the team that ended up getting him to pay a little bit more, and maybe that ends up shaking loose a, a player here or there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk now with the Rangers. What's the future of Chris Kreider? Uh, stuff like that. So, so some of that may come into play and, and help them down the line. Yeah, I, I mean, we just, Garmo just, uh, yeah, he wanted to keep him. He did everything he could. And, and I'm sure, you know, it just breaks Yarmo's heart. He thought he made this great trade a couple of years ago. Right. This franchise altering trade, always thinking probably at the time that, oh, I, I just, I'm just going to have to talk, talk ownership into, breaking out the Brinks truck here to keep the kid, not thinking he was going to leave. And so right to the very end, he did everything he could to, to try to convince him to stay. And, you know, his mind was made up. He was going to go to, to the big city. That's that's just what he wants. And, again, it's we, we say this all the time. It's, it's free agency. It's those guys have the right to do it. Yeah. Now, Tom, you know the Rangers situation as well as anybody. There was talk that Jimmy VC was on the block this summer anyways, but was that trade made uh, to up the ante to sweeten the, the offer to Panera? Well, you would think so. You'd, you'd think they were to clear cap space, and, and they're going to pro- they're gonna have to make other moves too. Uh, I, I think you know, they've got some qualifying offers to make. Uh, you know, Pavel Buchnevich may become available, depending on what – again, what, I think the Kreider is the next big – thing that they have to decide whether Chris Kreider uh, wants to stay there or if they can make it work for him. But there's going to, you know, they still have some juggling to do this year to get to next year. Then then their, their cap crunch lessens. But 
you know, a guy like Bucinevich could come available uh, yeah. for a team like the Blue Jackets or somebody that wanted him. So uh, it'll be interesting, but certainly I was surprised that they ended up getting him. But, you know, at the same time, I always kind of thought that that's where he wanted to go. Uh, and they were able to make it work. And as we said, uh, he took substantially less money to play there. Yeah, we've been seeing Rangers for a while with him, and then it sort of became like, oh, Florida. Packets deal to Florida. And I've thrown this theory by a few people. It was such an interesting 48 hours leading up to July to July 1, where it almost looked like Florida gave so much money to Bob, and they had so much other work that they had to do that they just couldn't make both of them work. And so here's Panarin, doesn't want to go back to Columbus, would love to be in New York. And here are the Islanders that are the lead candidate. And I get, I just got the sense that it's going to be the Islanders, it's going to be the Islanders. And I'll be honest with you, going back to his previous agent, Daniel Milstein, whenever someone to be somebody, myself included, would write uh, that he's going to go to, what were who were the teams early? Tampa, the Rangers, the Devils, the New York teams. Dallas, uh, yeah. Dallas was on the list, Florida. He would always say, you know, don't rule out the New York Islanders. There's a ton of respect among Russian players for Lou Lamorella. Okay. Um, so the Islanders were always kind of this dark horse there. But I I just got the sense that Panarin was like, I don't want to be an Islander. Like, I didn't go through all of this to play for the the Mets instead of the Yankees or the Jets instead of the Giants. I'm a freaking rock star. Give me Madison Square Garden. And so he took, he got less money, but he, he went to, to Broadway. He may make that up in endorsements for all we know. I think part of that, Forty, is if, if the Islanders had been set in Brooklyn, if they were yeah. going to stay in Brooklyn, I think it's, it's a, a little bit different story. Sure. Uh, you know, you have a, a very, very sizable Russian population in Brooklyn. Uh, and Brooklyn is, let, let's be honest with, you know, let's, we can't, we have to, you know, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant just went there. So it's not like, uh, it's not that big of a deal. It's still New York City. Uh, but the fact is that that franchise is probably going to end up uh, in Elmont, New York, which is nowhere right. near New York. You know, it, that's a little bit, it's out where the, the Belmont racetrack is. And that could have played a part of it because you're there. You're not really you're on Long Island. You're 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 living out away from the city. So, again, I don't claim to know that, but that might have been part of it. And they're playing to your point of, of you're you're not playing for the, the city's marquee franchise. Yeah. Right. Now, meanwhile, Bobrovsky always seemed I mean, maybe Islanders, but it just seemed like Panthers from day one. And then Allison. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was, we've talked about this ad nauseum of it was going to have to be a match, unlike Panarin, who could pretty much go wherever he wanted, because teams would make space for this, that for a goaltender, that's different. It had to be not only a place that he, Bobrovsky wanted to go, but a place that had room for a number one goaltender. And that was a short list to begin with. And, and the signs all just started saying Florida. And I don't really think we ever heard another serious contender other than the Islanders as well and and everything seemed to lean in Florida's way and, and they got the guy they wanted. Bob to the Panthers for seven years, ten million. He's thirty one years old. Tom, what when does this contract going to look not great? <laughs> oh. Or are you already there? 
No, I mean, look, we'll see. Yeah, it's, and I think we've talked about this in recent podcasts. The the kind of the trend is the other way. Jordan Bennington just won a Stanley Cup as a guy that was in the minors. Uh, Matt Murray did the same thing a couple of years ago. Uh, the guy who's really got to be happy is Braden Holpe, right? He's got a Stanley Cup ring, and he's about to get paid very soon. So that's kind of going to set the market for him. Uh, I wondered if he would get the money that he wanted, given the way something you know you've seen in recent years with some of these goalies that just come up and you can win without having you got to have good goaltending, but you don't have to have a marquee goalie, right? Doesn't have to be that great. I mean, the Rangers went through that with Henrik Lundqvist. They couldn't score goals. He's a great goalie, but you got to be able to score. You got to have Ryan O'Reilly come in and have a great playoff to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, so, but but credit to him. I mean, he did win. And, and and look, Florida is a franchise that just has so little history outside the great Doug McLean era. Uh, right. They just they just haven't had much luck. They haven't made the playoffs a lot. So we we know, and we you and I talked about this the other day. Hey, they've got some exciting young forwards. Uh, I, I still think I would have rather had Panarin, but you, but to your point, is very well taken. They they've got some guys that can score. They got to find a way to keep it out. And Bob certainly has done that in the, in the regular season. And to his credit, he had a pretty good playoff run, uh, especially against Tampa. Yeah, this year was the first year he really looked pretty damn good in the playoffs. So. Maybe he's moved beyond that bugaboo. Uh, Matt Duchesne. Um, I like a lot about the kid. He tells me he's an Eric Church fan, and then I kind of lose a little bit of respect for him, but not really. Oh, <laughs> um, he's off to Nashville where he's always wanted to be. Uh, he can have a, a hockey stick in one hand and a guitar in the other, apparently. Um, no surprise. You can't do that in Columbus? What's that? You can't do that in Columbus? Well, there aren't as many record execs here. Oh, okay, so he's pursuing a career in that? I'm not sure you can hang out with a country music superstar at night in in Columbus, no. Oh, okay. Um, But, yeah, I talked to a a couple of Blue Jackets today who said, you know what, look, it would have taken a monumental uh, effort by Columbus to even get close to getting Duchesne's mind off of Nashville. He was national from the minute he got to Columbus. He was telling people that that's where he, it's where he wanted to be. It's where he's always wanted to be. So here's the chance. He took his chance. It's kind of what UFA is for. Um, the, the Blue Jackets, they put an offer on the table to him. I, I'm, I'm led to believe it was probably around or a little bit less than what Nashville paid. Seven years, fifty-six million. I don't think they were as enamored of the player to go. Uh, well, I know they weren't, to go to the uh, Artemi Panarin level of commitment financially. Uh, and and you know what? Nashville underpaid according to what some people thought he would get, $9.95, uh, building off the Jeff Skinner. Look, Buffalo did what they had to do to keep Jeff Skinner, which was overpay. Uh, Columbus would have had to overpay to keep Panarin, probably substantially. He ends up in Nashville, no surprise there. Uh, but how big of a – we'll start with him and go back the other direction. How big a loss, Allison, is taking Matt Duchesne out of the lineup, a guy they didn't have until February. But, boy, once you have that that guy that gives you too deep at the center position, it's kind of hard to go back the other way. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the key of it, right? It's that, it's that weak 
center lineup um, that, that Columbus has had to kind of fiddle with here now for, gosh, going on, what, three years? And, you know, it's not ideal. Um, Yarmo said to us at his availability yesterday that, you know, they're not necessarily not done. They're not necessarily done as far as free agency goes. There's not a ton of marquee center talent out there, but do they continue to try and bolster their forward core? I don't know. Um, but at the same time, they have players who can slot in. Nick Felino can move to the middle. As you wrote, Boone Jenner is, is pretty much there as a fixture once again. And, you know, to, to your point of overpaying and wanting to overpay, and you made this point yesterday, Aaron, was that it, it's not just about the money when it comes to Matt Duchesne. That was going to be another first-round draft pick, right? And that's that's an expense, particularly for a team who just went through a draft with three picks. And so it's a loss. I think that they it would behoove them to continue to look around the market. You know, do they do they talk to Marcus Johansson? Do they look around for other pieces? I don't know, but it hurts, but I, I don't... I'm not sitting here thinking they did the exact wrong thing in, in letting in not fighting for Duchesne or making a Panarin style move for Matt Duchesne. I, I just to just to say this, I don't think they're in the Marcus Johansson um, shopping lane anymore. Yeah, I think I think they would have been if Gustav Nyquist weren't available. Uh, but once they signed Nyquist uh, Nyquist to a four year. Five point five million dollar contract. I think that's sort of the guy that's going to take the Panarin spot on the left side, probably the first line. And I think it's interesting. Nyquist is kind of a, a puck carrier, pass-first type of forward, which kind of makes him Panarin-like. And I wonder how big the adjustment's going to be on that first line if it stays uh, Gustav Nyquist, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Cam Atkinson. Tom, how big's the drop-off from, from Panarin to Gustav. We'll have to see, right? One of the hard things that any always project is how guys are going to play with different teammates. We went through this last summer with Riley Nash and what a great signing that was and the numbers he put up in Boston and wow, what a, and then he came here and what had like was sitting on two goals in March. So I think it depends. You have to wait to really see how guys gel with other teammates. Uh, clearly, he's a veteran player coming off a great season, much like Riley Nash was coming off uh, the year before. But we've seen this a million times. You guys have to – there's going to be an adjustment period. Uh, we sit here and t- say today that he's, he's going to play this first line. Uh, much as the, we said that uh, uh, Alex Wenberg was going to play with Artemi Panarin a couple of years ago. Remember that? Yep, yes, that's going to be the first line. And we saw what happened there. So, you know, it, it, we'll have to wait until October and see where it goes. The good thing is, is the Blue Jackets seem to identify him early on. And the player wanted to be here. He has put up some numbers in his career. And it seemed like, uh, you know, again, for what the situation was, a pretty good pickup. Yeah. And so, Allison, I'll look at it this way. If, if Let's be conservative with, with Nyquist and say 50 points. Sure. Yep. Okay. Can they make up the the rest of Panarin elsewhere? So it's got to come from Bjorkstrand, Texier. Uh, I'm thinking of who can produce more. Maybe Felino. Other guys can contribute more. Is it how difficult? He's a great player. We know this about uh, Artemi Panarin. 
how difficult, how high is the hill for Columbus to get through and replace what has been lost? Oh, I mean, it's it's not just going to be about goal scoring. It's going to be about that that play in net as well, right? Because I mean, it's going to be about a lot of things. It's going to be about controlling the margin so that everything tips in their favor because they're not going to be able to score as frequently. Last year was was the first year we saw the Jackets really turn into a high-scoring, more known for their offense team than any other part of their game in the regular season. Um, so the defense has to tighten up. I've gone on ad nauseum about how closely they were walking the shot share margin and, and giving a lot there to opponents. And they're going to have to have at least solid replacement level goaltending behind that. Um, Zach Wierenski probably can pot a few more goals, right? I mean, he should be continuing his rebound from, from a rough start last season. Maybe Josh Anderson has a couple more, but it, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be rough. The margins are a lot slimmer now in pretty much every single aspect of the game for the, these guys. Yeah. So the big question now coming out of, I think, the free agency loss is going to be what, what are they going to do in goal? We've known for a while, and all, I mean, the three of us and beyond, that Bobrovsky's not coming back, that Yarmo Kekalainen is insistent that he's sticking with his two guys, Elvis Merzlikens, who nobody seems to know about in the NHL, and Eunice Corpusala, who nobody seems to trust in the NHL. He thinks that these guys would be a great game, good tandem, and he thinks among the two of them, one is going to emerge as a starter. I talked to a player today who said, that's what Sergei Bobrovsky was in 2013, right? Yep. It was Steve Mason's net. And Bobrovsky came over, dominated, and became the man. And now he's a $10 million a year goaltender. How nervous are you guys? Tom, I'll start with you. It's an unsettled position for sure, but how unsettling is the situation the Blue Jackets appear to be going with in Ned and Corpusalo and Stevens? Yeah, I, I think it's. I think the whole thing is unsettling. <laughs> uh, but certainly, yeah, it's. it's uh, that's certainly the one area that, that cries out because you do have. You, know, you don't worry about the defense. Uh, the forwards, again, there's. They'll find ways to score some goals. I don't know enough, but yeah, the, the, the definitely the unproven commodity is in goal. I mean, you can you can talk yourself into the other things. Oh, maybe Wenberg will come back, bounce back, and have a good season. Maybe this Benstrom's kid will come over. As you wrote, I mean that uh, all the success he had in Sweden. When guys have have success like that in Sweden, it's usually a pretty good sign. But boy, the goaltending you just don't know. Uh, and it's such a big part of the game and the confidence of your goaltending radiates from it. If it if your goaltending is bad, it just it just absolutely kills the confidence of the rest of your team. So yeah, it's it's, it's certainly unsettling. I mean, I, that's again one of those things you're going to have to wait until they start playing games that, that count in October for us to know if uh, if they can handle it. And again, uh, when you look back when you look back at even um, Last season, when they decided to give Corpy a chance, he was never able to quite really run with it, was he? Uh, the only time, the only stretch he's been really, really good was when Bob was hurt a couple years ago and the games were kind of meaningless. So even though Corpy's got a lot of NHL experience, he's always had the safety net of Bob coming back at some point, and it's just completely different when that safety net's removed. So 
it's an unknown and there's nothing we can anyone can do about it until they start playing games in October. Yeah. Now, Allison, you've, you've written about this. I, for me, the, the bigger issue, I mean, I guess it says you don't trust them if you're going to look at it this way, but you look down on the AHL level and they think that uh, B.D. Bevelainen is going to play a lot in Cleveland. His backup is going to be Matisse Gavlinex, who has struggled immensely in Cleveland. And they've got a guy there that's going to play some games and help coach. And Brad Thiessen, a veteran who's played, I think, one NHL game. In other words, there's no, like, even the Jean-Francois Berube stopgap uh, an hour, you know, a two-and-a-half-hour drive away. Cleveland, should things go off the rails. Is that a concern to you beyond just if Corpusalo I mean, really, that's saying that both of these guys have to be able to play well because there's no... I don't think... I mean, maybe Babelainen is can be a wild card, but is there's not really a savior at the Cleveland level if you need a veteran guy to just give everybody a breather. No, there's not. Um, and you know there were some interesting developments yesterday in the goaltending market. I mean, we saw Robin Leonard had to sign a one-year contract with Chicago, um, and now Domingue in Tampa is out of a job uh, with Tampa Bay bringing Curtis McElhaney as a backup. So does, does availability change strategy for the Blue Jackets. Uh, but but for some odd reason, I, I don't know, I, I guess I'm kind of okay with this risk. I mean, and it is a risk that they're taking. Um, if their goaltending pipeline is as good as everyone says, they have at least two options, albeit rookies, in Bevelinen and Merzlikens, uh, to show what they have. And there's a part of this that could be better to find out now than count on a pipeline years down the road only to find out later um, and if this is a year that's going to hurt let, let's take all the medicine we need let's take all of our shots and get all of our protection now um, and move forward I, I, it could be interesting that there is there is still a goaltender or two available as, as the season nears I don't know but for some reason I, I, I'm, it's a risk but I'm not jumping off a bridge about it yet <laughs> you know what, what complicates this too and we've mentioned this in the past, but it really bears mentioning now. Elsmer Lincolns is 25 years old. Right. They have to find out now if the guy can play, right? right. He's not going to be sitting around here, and they're probably not going to want him sitting around here in two years and not knowing. They've got to find out now. So where in, a, in, a, in a maybe a different situation, you could send him to the minors and have him working out. You know, he may just say, screw it, I'm leaving after a year or so. Uh, I'm going back and playing in the KHL. So that situation is, is different than maybe when you'd have like a 21-year-old kid or Steve Mason who just comes up and like, look, if, it, if things aren't working well, you can send him to the minors. they got to find out now about Merzlikens, and that, to me, adds a wrinkle to this whole of, you know, he's got to be one of your two guys to start the season up here, I think. For sure. Yeah, yeah and it has to work. Oh, yeah, it's, I mean, well, and again, Elvis – Look, he, he kind of this is he wanted to stay in Switzerland. He wanted to see, you know, he could have come a couple of years ago. He, you know, he said, and it's been fairly well documented that he didn't think he was mature enough at that time to handle this. Well, that's fine. You know, he feels like the team feels like he's mature now, but the, you know, now the, the margin for error 
has been cut down a little bit as far as how much time you have to kind of really get your game going and, and, and being able to play at the NHL level. Yeah. Here it is, kid. Yeah. That's what you wanted. Uh, so the Blue Jackets signed Gustav Nyquist, four years, $22 million. I don't think they're done, but I think it's going to cool off a bit here, and they're going to wait for guys to fall through the cracks. Yeah. And guys term and money to to hit the skids as well. Um, yeah, I, you know, there's some guys out there that you go, boy, that guy could help you. Um, so see if they bring him in. But I, they really do trust, and they really are excited by Texier, by Bemstrom. I think Foodie's probably a year or so away from being able to help them. They're excited about Kaprikov or Zlikens. There's a they, they could have. You say like six rookies on this team realistically? It's crazy. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, what choice do they have, right? Uh, well, it, it'd be interesting to <laughs> you look back, and I was looking, poking around a little bit last night with a. Uh, you know, I can't remember a, 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 a July first quite like this since 2007 with Buffalo. Yeah, right. Where, you know, and, and, and to their credit, they bounced back a couple years. They missed the playoffs a couple years in a row. And then they did bounce back and, and made the playoffs, I think, two more times after that. But that's a, <laughs> I can't remember this many high-profile guys leaving a team uh, since that Buffalo team. So, yeah. it, it, and, and you know what? We, we haven't even mentioned we haven't even mentioned his name. Haven't mentioned his name. I can't wait to hear John Tortorella at the starting training camp. Oh, he is going to be unbelievable. Oh. No one gives us any respect. No one thinks we have a chance. It'll be vintage torts from a couple years ago, and I can't wait to hear it. Got the locals banging on us. Got the nationals not giving us a chance. (laughs) It's going to be great. He is going to be vintage torts at the start of training camp, and I can't, I for one can't wait to hear it. You know, he loves this shit. Oh. He absolutely does. This is what he's going to love. Let's, 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 let's not take that so much than last year's team. Huh? He's going to love this year's team so much more than last year's. Well, team. you know, let's let's give him credit. I mean, this is a guy that has won a Stanley Cup and made some deep playoff runs. I think he would rather have that team. But we know this coach. To even use his own words, I love when he calls himself this coach. This coach knows this situation well, and he he loves this environment, this underdog environment. And he will – he's going to have some great early season press conferences. <laughs> um, I can't wait to see Elvis in torts, too. Oh. It's going to be magic. Beautiful. He leaves his goaltenders alone, Aaron. He leaves his he goaltenders alone. They are. He doesn't know where they are. <laughs> he doesn't even look down that way. He doesn't even look over there. I mean, I would say today, Elvis is either going to be a Phoenix Rising or Haley's Comet. But it, it's going to be a it's going to be a fire show. One way. I thought you were going to say it was either going to be a Phoenix Rising or a Phoenix Coyote. And it's oh, it's going to be it's going to be worth watching, for sure. And as we've joked about with Torts, is like if he has a save percentage of nine twenty, he's he's a character. If he has a save percentage of less than nine twenty, he's a freaking idiot. What is this guy doing? Um, but it'll be it'll be fun to watch. Um, yeah, we might have to do a few more of these this, in these in the coming weeks. We're not going to forget about you. Um, anything else you guys want to add here before we tune off? Crickets. I think we're good. Must be good. 
All right. Well, enjoy the Fourth uh, of July. We'll keep uh, cranking the copy out here over the over the holidays, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. For Tom Reed, for Alice Lucan, Aaron Portline, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.